So let me open us in prayer. Father, thank you so much for uh, this opportunity again to come together and to um, open your word. Um, Holy Spirit, I'm grateful that you are here moving in um, each of us and that you are even in this very moment changing us and um, encouraging us and interceding for us. I ask that you would allow us to see you and to see you only today. Would you um, make the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and redeemer? Cause our discussions um, to be um, focused on you and to move each and every one of us um, closer to you and to fill, fill all of us with more love for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you were here last week or if you had a chance to listen to Kristen's lesson, um, you, re you may remember that we were kind of left with a cliffhanger at the end of the first half of Romans 8. And so with that in mind, we are going to go back to Romans 8 verse 16 to help us remember the context because everything that we're going to talk about today um, assumes the premise that we are children of God. So here's the bottom line for us today. If you don't remember anything else, this is what we need to remember. And I'm going to revisit this again at the end. Um, no one and nothing can separate me from the love of God, and his love will bring his work in us to completion. So no one and nothing can separate me from the love of God, and his love will bring his work in me to completion. So as we get started, I think it might be helpful for all of us to make note of the word glory or glorified, depending on your, the translation that you're, you're using. Um, there, we see the word glory in Romans 8, verse 17, and we see it again in Romans 8, verse 30. Like I said, it's either glory or glorified, something along those lines. So go ahead, if you feel comfortable, um, using a pen or highlighter or pencil, whatever you have, underline both of those words, um, again, in verse 17 and, and, and again in verse 30. And now one more thing before I get started. Um, I'd like to encourage you now to take whatever writing utensil you have and draw a line um, up and down, right next to those verses between verse 17 and verse 30. And you're going to draw a line on either margin. So on the left side of those verses, all the way from 17 to 30, and on the right side of those verses, all the way from 17 to verse 30. So we have something underlined in verse 17, underlined in verse 30, and now we have lines on either side of those verses. So it looks like you've made a path and the verses inside the lines are kind of inside the path. So, now, let's look at and read through Romans 16, verse, and I'm sorry, Romans 8, starting in verse 16, and then going through verse 30. And I'm reading from the ESV this, this week. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, 
heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it in patience. Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So, how will we be glorified? Paul tells us plainly that the path to being glorified with Christ is one that is filled with suffering. Go back and look at those verses. It was filled with the groaning, the groaning of creation, the groaning of the Holy Spirit, our groaning. There's suffering involved in there. So you look at that path from 17 to 30, from glory to glory, and what is it? It's suffering that characterizes that path. Um, when we have been conformed to the image of God's Son, that is when we are glorified because we are glorified with Christ in and through, um, through Christ. And how are we conformed to the image of God's Son? Through the work that God does in our lives, in every circumstance, through every difficulty, we are being conformed. Suffering, unfortunately, is part of the conforming process. After telling us that suffering is part of the conforming process and part of being co-heirs with Christ, Paul tells us that creation suffers as well. Creation is groaning, but in hope and expectation of being set free from its bondage to corruption that came as a result of sin entering the world through Adam. So who else groans? Like I already mentioned, the spirit groans. Um, So as we wait for the consummation of us being adopted as children of God, um, 
God is doing a work in our physical bodies, in our hearts and minds. He is continuing to conform us through these difficult situations, through every day, um, even if it doesn't feel difficult, just kind of that daily grind. God is continuing to do the good work of conforming us to the likeness of his son. Um, And the great thing is we, like I just said, we don't groan alone. The Spirit groans with us. And we're told um, that he, He prays, He intercedes for us when we don't know what to pray. And not only does He intercede for us, He intercedes according to the will of God. And what does Jesus tell us about praying in the will of God? you ask according to the will of God, he will complete it. And and so we know that the Holy Spirit, as he intercedes, he's praying according to the will of God, and that work will then be complete in us. And then not only that, um, not only are we prayed for, and in that praying, the Holy Spirit is caring for us and assisting us while we are working through that time of suffering, that difficult situation, the daily grind and slog, the um, getting up and doing the same thing over and over again. He's assisting us and caring for us. Um, We are guaranteed, in that we are guaranteed that our suffering will in fact result in us being conformed to the image of Christ because And here we are at verse 29, because God has predestined um, us to be conformed to the image of his son. Because when we are conformed to the image of his son, God is glorified, the Lord Jesus is glorified, and we are glorified then in the Lord Jesus. So let's take a moment and really kind of hone in to verses 29 and 30. Um, These verses have several words that have caused debate for thousands of years, Um, and so I'm just going to look at two of those words, and we're really just going to look at them briefly. But the first word that might kind of raise a question in your mind is the word predestined. Um, And in this particular verse, what Paul is talking about is um, he is talking specifically about those who are children of God. Um, the word predestined in this verse talks about those who are um, children of God, those who God already has relationship with. Um, and what is, what is he predestining us to? Well, at the end of the sentence, we see what he's predestining us to. He's predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So those who are predestined, and that would be all of us who have relationship with the Lord Jesus. If we have relationship with the Lord Jesus, then God predestines you to be conformed to the image of his son. That is our, as Christ followers, that is our singular destiny that God has chosen for us. And our singular destiny as a Christ follower is that we will be um, made into the image of his son, the Lord Jesus. The word for new is the other word I wanted to um, talk about. And um, I know that the words are a little bit different depending on the translation, but like I said, I'm reading out of the ESV, and the word is for new. Um, People, again, people for millennia have been wrestling with that word. Um, But in the general sense, 
it means that God having, God has um, covenant affection for. So those people that God has covenant affection for, or another way to say it would be those people that God has relationship with, again, pointing to the people that already have relationship with him, those are the people that he predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. So um, I think the bottom line for us in these two verses in particular is that all people who have recognized that Jesus is the only way to salvation are then predestined to have uh, the work of being conformed to the Lord Jesus. That work is going to be completed. Um, It will be completed by God himself. And that completing will bring glory to God himself. And in that, it will also bring glory to the Lord Jesus. And we will be glorified with the Lord Jesus as God completes that work in us. So if you um, consider another way that Paul says this in Philippians, he says it in Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. It's saying the exact same thing that he says in Romans 8, 29. He just says it a little bit differently. Um, And then also I wanted to look back at Romans 5, 3 through 5. So Paul says, not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. So this work will not stop. It will not falter. God is doing a good work in us. He is changing us, and he guarantees that he will complete the work. And while he is doing the work, even through our suffering, he lovingly cares for us and groans for us and intercedes for us. So let's look briefly back at the words that I had you underline in verse 17 and verse 30. Um, I asked you to um, underline those and then to make the the marks around um, the verses. So knowing that God's main purpose is to bring glory to himself, we can be absolutely certain, 100%, that God is committed to completing the work of sanctification in us because it leads to him being glorified. And when we are sanctified, we are also glorified in Christ Jesus. But we can't miss that the pathway to that glory includes suffering, difficulty, hardship, tribulation. We follow a Savior who suffered, which means that we too will walk through suffering as we're being conformed to his likeness. So after spelling out that we can be sure and certain that the work will be completed, Paul then goes one step further and voices questions that his original readers and that you and I probably have as well. Maybe you wouldn't actually verbalize these questions. Maybe, like me, you might even be hard-pressed to admit that you have some of these questions. But nonetheless, they are questions that can help us preach the gospel to ourselves. These are questions that can help remind us what the truth is that we need to be 
remembering regularly as we come up against suffering and the all things that Paul referred to in the previous paragraph. But before we look at the questions, let's think for a minute why it might be important that Paul includes these questions. I don't know about you, but I am very good at convincing myself that I have the one situation that would disqualify me or cause me not to have access to what God is offering. And even when I don't necessarily think that I have been disqualified, I'm sometimes hard-pressed to believe that God is doing a good work in me. So I might believe, okay, he's going to complete this work, but I'm not sure it's actually a good work. Um, I might believe that I know I'm going to spend eternity with God, and yet at the same time, I struggle to consider what I'm experiencing as being um, a, path, a part of the path toward me being um, conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus. So let's think back to the passage from Romans 5 that I just read. Um, the, uh, what I like to think of in my mind as the perseverance path, um, passage. That suffering produces character and character hope, and hope does not disappoint. Um, sometimes when I read that, I get a picture in my head of what endurance, endurance looks like. And I think of it kind of as like this glittery, glamorous thing. Um, but in reality, there really isn't anything glittery or glamorous about endurance or perseverance. In fact, the definitions of those words have an inherent requirement in them that you're actually going through something hard for them to even, for whatever you're doing to even be called endurance or perseverance. So um, I wonder what it is for you. Um, what is the hard thing that you're experiencing right now that um, feels like a slog, feels like um, it definitely doesn't fit a picture, a pretty picture, um, a glittery, glamorous picture. And maybe it's not even, you wouldn't say it fits into what your, um, your thought of perseverance and endurance is. So two years ago, um, my husband and I felt very strongly um, that the Holy Spirit had led us to do something. And uh, we put it into place, and we um, kind of did all of the preparation. And, um, and then right, as about, right about as uh, when it was supposed to go into effect, this thing that we had been preparing, um, uh, well, there's some really not nice ways to say what happened, but um, let's just say um, that it felt like all the wheels fell off the wagon. And, um, and not only did all the wheels fall off the wagon, but we went over the cliff and down into the abyss, and the wagon smashed at the bottom, and we felt like um, everything was going to go um, to pot very quickly. Um, we quickly found out um, who were people that we trusted, and um, we quickly found out um, who it was that trusted us and trusted our relationship with the Lord Jesus. And, um, and I remember, um, as the Lord Jesus does, um, often he'll 
he'll cause you to make an appointment with someone weeks in advance and then something really bad happens and the next day you have this appointment. And um, I remember like the, the day after all of the things blew up and it was awful and horrible and I did not know, Barry and I did not know what was gonna happen. Um, and like even now, as I think about this situation, um, it kind of takes my breath away. Um, but as the Lord Jesus would have it, I had had coffee scheduled with my dear friend Ellen the next morning. And I don't know if she even remembers this, but I remember sitting across the table from her and um, me like not even being able to speak um, without crying because I was in the middle of this thing that was so horrible and I didn't know. And, I, and she said, Lisa, you are so brave and courageous and the Holy Spirit is going to guide you through this. And I was like, I am not brave and courageous and this is horrible and I have no idea what this is going to look like. And, um, and Ellen just so very kindly encouraged me and, and said exactly all these things that we um, know to be true and I was not feeling glittery and glamorous at all. And over the next few weeks, I was not feeling glittery and glamorous at all. And I still, like I said, I still um, feel ick about it. Um, and yet, I also know that as in hindsight, I can know that the Holy Spirit enabled my husband and I to persevere in that situation as people were coming against us, as we didn't know where the next step was going to take us as we followed the Holy Spirit. And we did not feel like we were conquering. We felt like we were a total disaster. Like, I felt like I was walking around along with my clothes ripped and my hair was a disaster and I had a hole in my purse, and I was leaking things out, and I couldn't string any more than a couple words together because it took everything that I knew just to even take a breath and even to have the next day, like, food on the table for my kids. Um, but I realize that that is the kind of thing that Paul is talking about here, right? So let's get into those questions that he raises because that's the kind of situation that Paul is thinking of when he says, who will separate us from the love of God? Look at verse 31. He says, if God is for us, and he's already built the entire argument showing us that, in fact, God is for us. Remember, he is committed 100% to conforming us to the likeness of his son because it brings glory to him. So he says, if God is for us, we know absolutely that God is for us. And so that means that no one can be against us, which also means that our sanctification can't get derailed. And it also means that, it, that those thoughts, those um, worries, those anxieties, those um, con words of condemnation, um, those difficult situations, if God is for me, then um, who can be against me? It means that those difficult situations are not God sending them against me. He knows that those things are for me and for the, um, this, 
It's the next step in the process of being conformed to him. And then verse 33, who can bring a charge against us? Well, what did we learn at the beginning of Romans? Um, Who is the one holy, righteous judge? It's God, right? And so nobody can bring a charge against us. And that's why Paul says that again in in Romans 8.1. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, And and again, in, in verse 34, who is to condemn? God is the only one that can judge us. So um, we, there are no charges that can be brought against us because um, uh, Christ's righteousness is put on us as we recognize him to be the only way to have right relationship with God. We then are, um, Christ's righteousness is credited to us, so there are no charges. There, there's no condemnation because God is the one true and righteous judge, and when he looks at us, he sees Christ's righteousness. So if the Spirit of God, this is verse 35, if the Spirit of, um, if God the Spirit and God the Son are interceding for me and God the Father has predestined that the work will be completed, then who or what can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Paul understands this intimately. And we know that he's not asking these questions just for his readers and just for us. He's asking them because he feels them. Remember what happened in Romans 7? Remember how Paul talks about that real struggle? Um, remember that he says, I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do. It's, that is an ongoing battle against the flesh. And so Paul's saying, he's not just saying, you guys, you guys, you got to get it together. He's saying this to himself as well. He's reminding himself that God's work will continue. So let's look at 37 through 39. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is faithful to his promise, and he has promised that those that he knows as his children will for certain be conformed to the image of his son, and that will bring glory to him, and we will be glorified in him. Let me restate the bottom line for us today. No one and nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Not even my own doubt, not even my own failure. If I have placed my trust in Christ's sacrifice as my only way to have right standing with God, then nothing can separate me from the love of God and his love will bring his work to completion in us. Amen.